Hello, and welcome to Launch Legends, the only podcast focused exclusively on the stories behind internet marketing's biggest and best launches. Each week, we sit down with an online marketing expert to tell the story of one of their launches, what went well, what didn't, and how much cash they made. And now, your host, Hamad Akbar. Hello and welcome to another episode of Launch Legends. Today we're joined by Ben of Hey Summit. Ben is actually a serial entrepreneur and has four successful SaaS products in the market right now. When smart wisdom is to focus on one product and stick to it, Ben does it completely opposite. He's launched eight products in the last couple of years. He goes from idea to market within four weeks and then hands it over to a more capable CEO to go from there. It served him very well. His company, Hey Summit, at launch got over 5,000 customers and thousands in monthly recurring revenue. One of his companies got acquired by Drift. So there's a ton of value Ben provides in this interview. But before, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, rate and review. If you are listening to this on a podcast, please rate and leave a review. Hey Ben, thank you very much for coming on the show. So, um... Uh, we had a chat just before we, I started recording, so your story is amazing. I certainly thought you were recording at the time, so <laughs> all the golden stuff was, was given yeah, there. All, there all the good stuff we gave away, so we need to actually kind of repeat all of that stuff. So I know you did extremely well with Hey Summit on AppSumo, and you've got multiple other products. What I want to talk about today is you have a startup studio where you launch products very quickly, and a lot of them are doing very well as well. Um, so let, let, let's talk about that. How, how do you manage that many different products in parallel? Or what's your process if you have one? Uh, what do you do? So before that, um, let's talk about who you are and uh, then let's talk about your philosophy when it comes to building products and launching them. Cool. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm Benjamin Dell. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm firmly entrenched in the sort of the SaaS world, and, and, and that's kind of what I do. I like to identify opportunities, um, come, up, come up with ideas, um, and the idea bit is the key part. I, I, I've, I've learned over time that I'm really bad at adopting someone else's idea. It has to be something that has come from me. Um, I, I need to feel that sort of ownership on there. That's, that's kind of a problem that I'm working through, let's say. Um, but to date, I have um, four active um, SaaS businesses. Um, hey Summit, a, a, a um, virtual summit platform that handles everything from setting up your summits to running them, promoting them, engaging with sponsors, speakers, attendees, and everything in between. Um, Missing Letter, which is a content marketing and social media platform that helps create social media campaigns that last for a whole 12 months that drip content out based on your blog posts. So a really powerful way to basically drive traffic back to your blog posts. Um, answering that question, you've published your blog post, what do you do now? Um, Help Shelf, which is a customer support um, widget that basically combines all of your disparate um, uh, sort of help and customer success resources. So whether it's, um, you know, because as your business matures, you, you might start off with a single knowledge base. But the reality is, as your business sort of grows and gets older and older, you start spreading out where that content lives. It might be demos on YouTube, it might be product walkthroughs on Vimeo, it might be um, blog posts, write-ups, talking about key features, it might be knowledge-based articles, um, votes and feature requests on Trello. Like, it lives in loads of places. And yet, what we end up with as, as companies, as digital businesses, is we still send people to this kind of this um, help dot 
whatevermydomainis.com, which is always straight to your knowledge base. And that's great, but that's forgetting that all this other content lives in other places. So Helpshelf is is this platform that helps combine all of that content into one place so that people can actually find the content and the resources that they need so that they can understand your product and educate and onboard and all that sort of stuff a bit more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more recently, we have Onboard Flow, um, which is a SaaS analytics platform specifically for um, insights into your trials, your free trials. Um, so we don't care about MRR, we don't care about uh, churn rates and all that sort of stuff. Um, in fact, we don't even care about you know, the Google Analytics style, where do your customers come from? What we literally only care about, and it's intentionally quite opinionated um, as a product to start with anyway, is where are your trials coming from? What are your trials doing crucially within your product over that 14-day or 30-day period, however long that trial period is? Um, and what are the things, what are the key checkpoints that they're either going through or not um, um, so that we can understand the conversion rates and literally everything to do with your trials? Because you know, if you're not monitoring and, and, and um, uh, you know, feverishly focused on what your trials are doing, chances are you're not getting the most out of your conversion rate. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fun one to kind of just go, go much more back office analytics sort of style um, versus kind of more sexy virtual summits or, or, or social campaigns or that sort of stuff. Great. So you've got four products which you are running at this point. Um, but you told me you've, you've launched about eight products in the last couple of years. What's your criteria for keeping the product running against some of them you just shut down? Um, well, it's nice when something gets acquired. Um, that's a good reason to, um, to, <laughs> to, okay. to get rid of it, to, get, to move it out, out of your portfolio. So I had an early one bought by David Cancel over at Drift, um, and that was pre-revenue. So, you know, you, you, and this is kind of the challenge, I think, when you, at its core, when you're thinking about running multiple things, you know, portfolio of companies, um, is A, not thinking of it as your baby, as any single one as being your baby, because you need to be ready to let it go at any given point. Not for no good reason, for a good reason, hopefully, but you need to be ready to do that emotionally. Um, and, and also just recognizing that, that, that every product has its own time in the sun. And, and that time might be you know, ahead of you. And you know, it might be ready to be priming itself to be an incredibly powerful company. But it might be that you're not the best person to get it there. Um, and so, you know, the one, you know, I, I sold to David Cancel, um, I think he actually just bought it and put it on the shelf um, because it was a somewhat com- competitive um, to, to, to what they were doing at Drift. Um, but the point is, at that time, it was pre-revenue um, for us and um, it wasn't really, I, I knew intuitively it wasn't the thing I was going to be focusing on over the next six months. So there was an opportunity to sell it. Focus on other things, and that's kind of what you're looking at. You're, it's kind of that, you know, supermarket shelf. You're putting the most recent up the front, and, you're, and then as you put more in there, you're moving the, you know, the fresher ones to the back, and et cetera, et cetera. And so you're constantly thinking about rotation and, and how they work. Um, and then obviously some just fail, and, and, and I sold an agency um, ten, uh, that I was running for ten years, and with that um, uh, bundled with it one of the SASs there as well because it was kind of quite tightly ingrained with the agency. So there's lots of different reasons why they've fallen off. Um, but yeah, today, four active businesses um, with uh, a few more in the pipeline. Great. So, uh, Ben, I've spoken to a lot of great entrepreneurs, um, a lot of them who are extremely successful people doing $60 million a year, $160 million in, um, they talk about click funnels based here. Um, and they've all stuck to one product and they've stuck to it for many years. Uh, how would you take any one of your companies to that kind of level? by just uh, letting go? So there's two answers to this. 
One is from the perspective of the founder, of the entrepreneur, if you will, the one who's coming up with the ideas. In this example, that's me. The other perspective is from the perspective of the company, of that individual company that, that you may or may not be talking about. So first of all, from the company's perspective, it needs sole focus. Ultimately, might not need it in the first few days or the first year even of its life, um, but it's ultimately it will need sort of unbridled focus um, by its team. Uh, and that's always got to be the goal um, uh, from my perspective anyway, is to, is, to, is to get those companies individually to a point where they have absolute exclusive focus on the team that's, that's, that's um, running with them. Otherwise, it's, it is going to be what you describe, and it's going to have complete sort of shotgun approach and mm-hmm. lack of focus and everything else, and all the all the bad things that go with that. But the focus that I care about, certainly in terms of my model, is from my perspective, and um, I think it's I, this is where I think you've got to be careful listening to what other people say. And I think if, if I could sort of give one message to anyone you know who's on that entrepreneurial sort of mindset listening to this is. Take any advice that you get, including the one I'm giving you now with a pinch of salt. I, mean, I think having that sort of um, mind that likes to inquire, that likes to learn things for yourself and to learn what's working for you, I think is the, is the right mindset to be had. So it's worth noting, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having one product um, solely. But by the same token, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with having multiple products. The very nature of having multiple products doesn't in itself have anything wrong with it. The thing that becomes the problem is the way that it's approached and or the person that's managing that. So it just sort of backs up my, my earlier point, but I think it's all about knowing who you are as an entrepreneur and, and kind of what makes you tick and where your skills lie. Um, we were talking uh, off air before this and, and sort of, again, to sort of mark this as being an intentionally crude um, uh, phrase to use, but it kind of is done intentionally to kind of just hit the point home. But something I've realized recently, which I think backs up what I'm talking about here in terms of managing multiple things, um, is that I've learned over time that I'm a really, really good founder, but I'm a really terrible CEO. Mm. I don't have the time for culture. I don't have the time for HR and policies and, and, and all of that day-to-day business plan management and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Understanding that has helped me realize that if my job is to be the founder and not to be the CEO, I'm a, I can play a bit more in this sandpit. I, can, I, I'm a, I, I give myself that freedom to ideate, come up with ideas, identify opportunities in the market, build out that first early version, find that early traction, do all the, all the in my mind, fun foundry sort of stuff, um, and really kickstart that business. But at the point at which it needs a proper seasoned CEO, that's the time that I jump out and I bring someone else in. Um, and so that is what works for me based on my what I perceive as my particular strengths. And my strengths will change over time, I'm sure, and I might have to adapt to this sort of approach. But right now, that's my, where my strengths lie. And so that's the approach I have. And so that allows me to have multiple things. Whether that naturally and immediately therefore means that person A over there can also run multiple things is a completely different story because it's going to really depend on what their setup is, where their strengths lie and everything else. So just have that inquiring to the mind, ask yourself, what are you good at and bad at? And, and does that, is that compatible with having multiple things um, or not? So I actually want to talk about how you, when you actually do hand over to someone else, a CEO who's more capable of being a CEO, how do you do that? What's the process? But let's actually go back from the beginning. Let's talk about 
a product, you where you had an idea, you started building it, and you got traction, and you said that you know you want to do it with it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the whole process from starting a product from the idea stage to traction. What does that look like? It's, it's different for every product, um, and, it's, and it's worth noting that the Hey Summit is the only one where I've actually done what I just said in terms of actually evolving it to a point of a full-time CEO and everything else. And the other businesses either have part-time teams, full-time teams, but no fixed CEO at this stage for various reasons, um, or they're embryonic, like in the case of Onboard Flow, where it is just me at this stage because it's, it's about scaling it out and getting it to that early point of traction. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's worth noting that, that, that I'm talking about all of this with hopefully a bit of bravado and confidence and, and compassion and everything else, but the reality is every single person is learning. It's, I mean, I'm learning every single day, making mistakes, some of them fun, some of them horrible. Um, so I, I, I can talk from my perspective, but, but you know, I can't tell you I've had 20 years worth of building these things out and I've unlocked a secret to bringing in a CEO and scaling out a team. I can literally just talk about my sort of recent experiences. And as I say, Hey Summit is the one where I've been able to do that. And it's brought me around to, and this is really the catalyst, Hey Summit really over the last sort of 18 months is the thing that has become the catalyst that's helped me understand that my skills are in founding and not in running. Um, and so far, it's proving well, but I may tweak that. You know, I'm not fixed to a particular viewpoint, um, an ideology or anything else. You know, that will evolve over time. I'm sure it will. But right now, that's kind of what makes sense. So in terms of Hey Summit story, um, you know, it started out, um, when did I launch it? Uh, close to two years ago. In fact, two years ago, on the, about four days ago. Yeah, so about so literally two years ago. Um, well, not literally, four days ago too. It would, be, it would be literally, but there we go. No, no, no. Uh, splitting hairs there. Um, so two years ago, launched it. Um, but I did it in kind of an interesting way. And this is kind of, we were talking before about where do these ideas come from and, 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 and how do you elevate and promote an idea from literal idea on the back of a napkin to something that you sort of grow. And I think part of that is intuition. And this is a good example, I think, of that because it didn't start out life as a product that... Um, I sort of fashioned in my mind and thought immediately I could see the opportunity and, and, and okay. sort of flesh it out. It's actually started out as a marketing idea for another company of mine, Missing Letter. It was the summer two years ago, um, this time roughly two years ago, and it was down tools for, for the business, but also um, in terms of summer, everyone's off on vacation and customers are on vacation as well. But I wanted to do something of value. I wanted to share some information with, with our customers, give them some sort of value that was free. It was just kind of a nice little marketing thing that kind of just an olive branch, you know, reaching out and, and, and sharing some knowledge with them. And so I, I thought, let's do a little maybe two-week webinar thing, you know, two, one, one one week and one the next week. And I'll bring in an expert loosely around um, the subject matter that our customers care about and we'll just share the knowledge and we'll, we'll invite people over. It'll be free and get a few hundred people watching it and et cetera. Uh, and then I woke up the next morning and thought, Ben, that's a bit boring. Come on. I mean, uh, that's nice. I mean, I might find some interesting people, but that's not really something that you can get excited about. It's not something that I would personally get excited about. And so I, I pondered on it a bit more and, and, and thought, well, wouldn't it be more fun to turn it into a 100-speaker summit over a two-week period? So still do it two weeks, but rather than have one on a Monday and then wait another week to do another one the Monday afterwards, let's fill up that entire two weeks with talks Turn it into more of an online event, an online summit, um, and for a nice round number, let's 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 bring in one one hundred speakers. Um, and then I woke up the next morning and realised that there's no platform out there that will let me do that to the standards of quality that I would care about and the way that I would want 
uh, everything else. There were thousand word blog posts talking about how to construct these things. And um, uh, it was complicated. Like you had to piece all these things together. And even then it was kind of mished, mashed together. And it never quite would feel like a cohesive sort of solution. And so day three, not only had I committed to doing a 100 speaker event in just five or six weeks, um, but I'd, I'd also now committed to building the platform from scratch that would enable me to deliver that. And because I'm me and I don't like to delegate too easily and I like to get those early embryonic ideas to market as quickly as possible, I didn't bother bringing in my team from Missing Letterer at all. I did literally all of it myself. I promoted, I built, I engaged, found the speakers, um, came up with the talk, talks and sponsors. And we got about, you know, small sort of fry, but got about 10 grand in, in sponsorship. Um, so everything was, was sort of done from zero to nothing. Let me stop you there. So you did all of that in five to six weeks, right? Um, and I know you said right. you did that in about five weeks' time. What was that? Yes. You had the idea, you built the product, you brought in the speakers, you got the sponsors, mm-hmm. and you made money from that. Um, and you you told me that you normally do that way. You build a product within three to four weeks' time. Where it's a very nice, lovable product which you ship to customers to use and buy. And it's not your typical MVP where it's all broken or buggy. How do you even do that? A proper product which you can sell within four weeks. How do you do that? What's your process? I know you you said there's no problem, but I know I run I run a software company. It's to get a product out that's that's something people can buy, you know, and use and actually add value to the business or to lives. That's that's very difficult. Um, in four weeks' time, it's almost impossible. How do you do that? Well, this this is where I think you need to introspect and understand who you are as a as a founder, as a person, as an operator um, in in that particular field, and yeah. knowing what you're good at and bad at. I'm, I'm incredibly good at getting products to market very very quickly. Now, you could argue whether they're the right product for the time, whether it's too early, too late, whether the pricing model's wrong or whatever, right? But I, but but in its core essence, I'm really really good at conceptualizing and then delivering products really really quickly. I can do in about two years what you know, sorry, in about two months what someone would do in two years. Um, on balance. There's a hell of a lot more people, hell of a lot cleverer than me. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that is just one area where I'm particularly um, uh, efficient, if you will, if you want to put it that way. But what also helped with Hey Summit was that it wasn't being designed at that point as a product. We made money from a sponsorship standpoint, but we, at the time, it was really just missing letter, putting on an event. Um, so the revenue we got from it was really just sponsorship for that event. Um, So I wasn't building it in mind as a product, although I needed it to work as a product for me, uh, operating and hosting, because every single one of those 100 talks were live. So we had to, you know, host those uh, throughout the whole two weeks. It was insane, but it was so rewarding. And by the end of it, realized that actually there is a product here. But that's when the hard work started, because realizing that it would then need to be spun out into its own product took another six months after that of refining and really working it out. Now, um, I could have launched it and, and got some early adopters at that point. Um, but I knew that I wanted to have a, a, you know, get it to a different stage. And this is where, you know, one bit of advice doesn't fit the other. And, you know, most of my businesses, early stage, I can get out of the door and into customers' hands within four weeks. Some of them don't fit that mold. Hey, Summit, when, it, when I decided to spin it out into an actual business, um, it, it was that much more complex than anything else before, just because of the nature of the beast, you know, having to integrate with webinar platforms and deal with ticketing and sales and promotions and coupons and sponsorship management and a whole bunch of stuff, analytics and everything else, um, landing page builder, all this sort of stuff. Um, it, so, so it needed its own path. And you've got to be allowed, you've got to allow yourself that, 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 that freedom to break out of the old that you would normally have. And so, yeah, another six months for that to sort of get it out. 
Um, and that brought us up to Christmas. Um, and, and then it was about looking at how do we actually get it to market. Now, I'm going to use the dirty word here, which is, which is uh, and I say that with, ev- with absolute respect to, to the team there, because I love them. Hopefully they love me. Um, I, I know a lot of them quite well. Um, and I love what they represent. But to a lot of people, um, they will see that as a see that see this company or as a, this marketing channel, if you will, as a as a lazy way. I, I can't think of a better term, but maybe as a lazy way of launching something, and that is AppSumo. Mm-hmm. Um, now, proof is in the pudding. I've launched sort of four or five, coming up to the fifth. Got one coming up soon. Um, products on AppSumo, mm-hmm. and so hopefully, with everything I've just said there, um, you know, for anyone from AppSumo listening, I love you guys. I think you do a great job. But, but it's interesting. It's one of those, um, one of those uh, sort of marketing approaches, those channels that I, I when I speak with people, 50-50, sometimes they sort of buy into it and they totally understand the value and others think, why would you give something? Because for those who, who, who haven't come across AppSumo before, their sweet spot is, they're basically a marketplace for SaaS businesses from you know, social media right through to accounting. What doesn't really matter is sort of SaaS stuff really. And their sweet spot is selling um, these sort of limited promotional um, uh, sort of coupons to that business, like Groupon, I suppose, um, but for a lifetime deal. That's, they only offer lifetime deals. So if I were to put Hey Summit on there, for example, um, we'd be selling lifetime access to that product. And this is where it becomes a, a bit of a grating um, uh, sort, of, sort of response to some people. Some will say, why on earth would you give away? If you've got such a great product, if you... If you've under, you know, if you if you have the confidence in your product and you know that it can do X, Y, and Z, and you spend all that time building it up and getting that proof of concept out, why on earth would you put it into something like AppSumo and give it away for free, essentially, you know, um, for you know, giving away lifetime access for a small amount of upfront, where those pe- those people who bought that are unlikely to give you more money in the future, mm. and that's a valid point. But for me, it comes back to just simply understanding what you're good at and what you're not good at. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at talking. I've spoken far too much already, I'm sure. Um, and so I've, I've got no problem engaging with customers, doing webinars, doing all the promotional stuff. I'm pretty good at writing as well. But it's always the thing that I have to force myself to do. Like I'm much better thinking about ideas and bringing them to market. And so in that sort of, sort of example, I find that AppSumo gives me a really powerful way of kind of just putting a rocket launcher underneath that first stage and there are multiple stages let's not forget of to launching the product mm-hmm. it does multiple things for me i like deadlines most of them are self-imposed here is one that imposes itself on me by committing to a launch date on AppSumo. it forces me to have something ready by that point you then get a huge amount of um traction from feedback and from a feedback standpoint from bug reporting from all this sort of stuff Take it with a pinch of salt, of course, because you've got to you know, learn how to pick out patterns and ignore certain other sorts of signals and everything else. But if you get good at that, it accelerates the amount of knowledge that you can gain in those crucial 30, 40, you know, 60 days sort of thing um, of that product launch. And you get cash in the bank as well. Um, and of course, you, you haven't had to have um, given away equity as well. Um, now, it, it, it will depend on the market that you're tackling uh, and, and everything else because, you know, for everything I've said, if your market addressable, if your total addressable market is 50 people and you know pretty much that they're all on AppSumo, you'd be stupid to put it on there, even if it was a quick solution because you have no market to go to afterwards. So you've got to, you know, do some level of due diligence around, you know, even if I sell 5 million customers on here, you know, or see our sales on there, do I think there's another 50 million out there in the wider world? If there is, 
as far as I'm concerned, you're kind of splitting hairs. I, I wouldn't worry too much about um, not launching it or launching it on AppSumo if there really is a bigger addressable market out there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, what we, that's what I've done for most of my products because for me, it just works really well with my DNA and, and how I like to get things out to market. Let's get back to uh, AppSumo because I know you've done four launches. Yeah. I would like to compare all four of them um, you know, um, later. But So what happened? So you launched on AppSumo, you got a bunch of customers. What happened after that? So... The AppSumo one with Hey Summit, I can talk about numbers um, because I've actually got a, uh, did a blog post with AppSumo um, where we spoke about that. So this is kind of in the public domain already. We're just going through a, 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 an investment round with Hey Summit. So I've got to be somewhat careful about what I talk about. But what I'm mentioning has already been out there in the public domain. So it's, it's, it's fairly safe, I think. Um, essentially, we, we launched. Um, it was a 30-day deal, I think. I think AppSumo, even since then, have changed their deal life, yeah. lifetimes. I think they run for a lot longer. There are a lot more of them, as you mentioned. Um, we did about, so this is after our cut. So this was our cut. I, I, you know, I won't, you know, talk about the full amount because then it will go into contractual details about the cut that we take and everything. But our cut was about $130,000, something like that. Oh, wow. Um, and what was key as well was that something I've always tried to experiment with, that we're talking specifically about launch strategy here and more specifically about how one does that or might do that on AppSumo. Something I've always played with with previous AppSumo launches is not just maximizing top of funnel kind of cash, the, the 120, 30,000 that I've just mentioned, um, but also thinking about with those coming through the door, is there any other way that we might maximize either reoccurring revenue or just additional mm. upsell revenue um, from that point? And of course, one must do it in a way that um, is natural. You don't want to force things. You know, you certainly don't want to create a. I've seen this done before. You certainly don't want to create a product that is completely restricted. Um, but if they were only to buy this extra add-on, they would get the ability to do X, Y, Z. If that can create a massive backlash with um, the AppSumo crowd, and indeed any crowd you were to do that with. So, do first of all make sure that the product, the core product that you're selling through AppSumo or any other channel, is of a strong quality that. It's pretty much giving you full access to everything, um, albeit with some restrictions, of course. Mm -hmm. So we had customers who were really, really happy with with the product, but they wanted, you know, we brought them in on the middle tier. So they had lifetime access to the middle tier. There were a few features on the top tier that a bunch of um, um, our early AppSumo customers wanted, and such as zero transaction fees and a few other bits and bobs, um, if, you know, and, and, and everything else. That plan was um, the biggest one is 204, or was at the time, I think we've, we've changed pricing since then, but it was $249 per month for our biggest one. And so I took the decision at that point that it'd be far better, and there's no way to, we could have A-beat it, but we didn't really have the time in the 30 days, So, and there's no way to go back in time, so there's no way to really know. But my intuition at the time was, I think there's a better chance here of going mass market to our AppSumo customers. For those who have purchased through AppSumo and bought an, a lifetime deal, I wanted to sell them a no-brainer deal to get access to our, to our top plan, but to pay us monthly, but for that amount to be a number that was below enough below the radar that it wasn't going to be a massive budgetary sort of consideration for them and that they'd be happy doing it, even if they knew, and this is a, a kind of a key point, even if that individual customer knew that they weren't necessarily putting on a summit for 10 months. Yeah. or something like that. You know, you couldn't sell it for 249 and, and, and then, but at the same hand, recognize that half of our customers probably aren't even going to be putting on a summit for, for three, you know, 10 months or something. Mm -hmm. They would never pay that money for that time just to keep it sitting. Uh, and so I, want, I wanted to do a really low number. And so came up with 
instead of 249, you get it for $10. So a massive saving. And this is not something we would do publicly, of course. This was really just looking at the, the, um, the, 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 the real sort of captive audience that we had. And also understanding a bit about the psychology about what they're, they're willing to pay. What is their, you know, Patrick Campbell of Price Intelligently and, and Profit World talks about willingness to pay a lot. And this is key, right? Like, there's no point selling something to them. And I did this back at Missing Letter, right? I, I, I tried to offer them a similar thing on our top deal for 70, you know, 75% off or 50% off. The number sounded good, but the actual, actual amount that they would still have to pay per month was $60, 70 $80. Mm-hmm. And there was no one really there that was going to pay that amount. When they come in through the door, having paid, so at that time, I think it was $39 for Missing Letter for a lifetime plan. So understanding that as well is something is key. So anyway, we, we, we over that four weeks, um, launched this, had a drip email sequence, launching uh, $10 a month for this um, opportunity to get access to this what would usually be $249 a month. Um, and that would be a sliding scale. The actual deal was something like um, 80% off. So it would, it would end up at sort of $60 or $58 or something like that um, per month, um, which was still representing a massive... How long, how, long would they, how long would they pay $10 for before he was jumping up to but Every week it would go up. So, so it would ultimately, the, the, the fixed deal, if you wanted to take it on a year after you bought, purchased the, the main AppSumo deal, you'd always be able to get it for something like $58. But we didn't want people to get it for 58. We wanted them to get it for 10 because we wanted the mass. But we said, if you buy it now, you'll get it for $10. And each week, we'll rise that by $10 until it reaches the eventual landing point of $58 or, or whatever it was. That's smart. Now, I think pretty much, I think 100% of people took it at the $10. I think maybe we had one or two that took it at the 20 um, because they were just a teeny bit too late. Um, so there's no way to know whether that FOMO kind of thing really, really worked or not. But, but it, it, it was great. So, you know, we had... Pretty close to zero MRR when we launched NapSumo, maybe about $500 or something like that. I had a few early adopters. Um, and we went from, I'm going to call it zero, but let's say $500, up to about $10,000 in MRR in about four weeks. Wow. Um, and, you know, although we're considerably higher than that now, um, as a starting point, it's the sort of thing that really, plus considering we were bringing in about $130,000 from, from AppSumo, we've got cash in the bank, we've got a bulk of customers now, like 5,000 customers who were now giving us really meaningful feedback and actually using the product, generating revenue themselves through ticket sales and everything else. Um, and we had about $10,000 in MRR, almost from the get-go. Um, that's a really... Ben, ben, sorry, I have to you there. You said 130K, uh, that was your share. Was that just front-end or you had some upsells as well as... A- no, that was, that, was, that was front-end. So just oh. from selling on AppSumo, that's what AppSumo paid us in our commission, essentially. Uh, our cut of the sales, and then on top of that, we um, we had the uh, the monthly offer, the promotional offer right. that we sold only to those that had bought through the AppSumo deal, right. and that gave what brought our MRR up to ten thousand. So one hundred thirty k. I mean, that's a lot. I know most people don't get to that level. Even back in the heydays of uh, AppSumo, they wouldn't get to one hundred thirty k cut for themselves. So that was a very very big launch. Um, I would imagine. It right. worked really well. It worked really well. Yeah. Well, you got to well, you got 130k in the bank. You got 10,000 MRR. Was that the point you decided? Okay, that's it. I'm going to let go, or you kept running yourself? Just, just prior to that, maybe sort of pretty much at the beginning of the AppSumo launch, maybe a couple of weeks before that, I'd, I'd been speaking with with Rob, who is now I'm the CEO, and I've known him for a number of years, um, and 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 he was getting his feet under the rugs and everything else, and. You know, we're a great baptism of fire to come in literally at the point at which you do an AppSumo launch. If you've ever done one, it's 
it, 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 it's crazy. I mean, uh, particularly we have a good product that gets a lot of traction. You're constantly re- responding to comments and questions and reviews and, and fixing bugs and all this sort of stuff. It's, it, and servers go down because of the work, the load on there. It's crazy. Um, so, so Rob came in at that sort of point. And so it was, and we were discussing at that point, it hadn't been decided whether he would come in as a full-time CEO and everything else. And, and, and just getting arriving at that point at the end of the deal with the cash in the bank and the MRR and everything else, just made it that much more easy for both of us concerned because I could, with freedom, sort of say, well, look, you've got a budget now. You've kind of got a remit. To, you've got something to work with. And for the same token, he could also look at it and go, well, yeah, I could actually, you know, I, 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 I could actually build something with this. I can take it, take it on a little bit further. So it really, really helped just accelerate, I think, where we probably would have been maybe six months, maybe even 12 months further down the line had we not have done the, the AppSumo deal. Um, and for us, it, it worked really well. And as I say, the, the challenge, of course, is to, is to evolve out of a post-AppSumo world into, into a real world, which is people who actually are going to pay you monthly. Um, because having people prove that they are going to pay you once for a lifetime is not then proving that there's an appetite in the marketplace to pay you monthly. Um, so fortunately, we've, 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 we've grown considerably. Um, and, you know, we're doing pretty well. Um, but that was the, the next challenge. But it just made it far, far easier knowing that, that, that Rob had a budget and that he had the freedom that, to, to, to actually spend it and do stuff with it. Great. So let's talk about the transition from uh, you handing the, the point you were handing over stuff to Rob. How did that look like? Did you give him targets? And what, what does that look like? Well, you know, it, it's, it's the unsexy stuff. It's, it's still messy, you know, because at that point it was just me and Rob. Um, and... I was still doing 99% of the engineering, well, 100% of the engineering. I was doing the design. I was doing a lot of the marketing. I was handing over to Rob. Rob was learning the ropes and it's messy. And then you hire your first few people and, and bring someone engineering, but then you're kind of, you know, training them up. And, you, you know, so, so for all of the glitz of um, saying, you know, there's this, this aspirational sort of view of build a t- company, get it to a stage, bring in a team to run it and, and take it to the next level. And then, you know, you step away and build, you know, focus on the next thing. That's, that's kind of unrealistic. And so you know, it's only now, you know, uh, 12 months after the AppSumo deal finished that I'm able to kind of step away a little bit more from day-to-day operations. In fact, that started about four months ago, really, to, mm-hmm. be, to be fair. Um, but yeah, the ugliness of building something from nothing is just the same. Even if you have cash, you just start hiring people. But it's still ugly. It's still, you know, working out paths and what's what's next to be focused on and and product direction and all sorts of things so, so what what does hey summit look like now in terms of uh, growth and uh development and how much time do you spend on it every every week or every month so my personal time is not fixed to or my input i should say is not fixed to a, a an amount of time at this stage uh, i may change in the future of course but but right now it's 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 um Supporting, I'm on the board, obviously, and I, and I support Rob and the team where needed, but, but there's not really a sort of an operational role as such there. Um, you know, and I can't talk too much because we've literally just in the process of closing a round, mm-hmm. um, which may or may not happen, but, but we're, we're close to that. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be doing a public sort of um, statement on that um, soon, and we'll, we'll probably share a few more inf- bits of information. But yeah, I mean, we've got a you know good, healthy team, 20 or so, um, and... It's it's growing really well, and it's it, what will it's just coming back to my role and, and that decision about being you know working out that I'm if I'm fair to myself pretty good at founding but pretty bad at mm-hmm. CEOing. 
if I can use that word, CEOing. First person to use that. Um, it's really nice to see someone who is genuinely good at being a CEO, like kind of like building culture and building processes and and seeing the team grow and just kind of knowing that um, they that, 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 just knowing that they've come there not through you directly, but but there's a, there's an intentionality around it that there is a plan. You can see it kind of folding out or unfolding, I should say, in front of you, and it's really really nice. Now it comes with its own challenges because. For the very first time, you know, I, I like to be king of what I do. I, and, and for the very first time, I'm having to kind of be at peace with this idea that for all the success that Hey Summit is having now, although it's still, you know, largely my company, um, it's not as a result of me anymore. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm fine with that because I want it to succeed. You know, I mean, it's my, it, within my interests for it yeah. to succeed. But psychologically, you know, I've kind of got a... This is really... We were talking before about letting a baby, you know, not seeing a business as a baby. It's one thing to sell it Mm-hmm. and then have it not be a baby. But here, I brought someone else in to, to run it, and it's going incredibly well. And it's, so I can't really call it my baby anymore mm-hmm. because of the results, results that we're having. It's not really, I'm, I, this stage of success has nothing to do with me. Um, and that's interesting. I'm having to work through that. But I, I think, you know, obviously it's a very positive, net positive thing, but it's interesting. Right? There's always different ways of looking at how, how things sort of pan out. Great. So Ben, let's talk about your absolute launches. Um, you're probably the best person to talk to. You've done four launches. I know Absolute has changed a lot in terms of uh, how much revenue the founders make now. Average ones, I've spoken to a few, it's come down slightly. But uh, so let's talk about first, what does a normal Absolute launch look like uh, after doing four launches? And what changes have you seen over time if you can compare all four of them? Well, normal is, is, is whatever day it is of the week because um, AppSumo, to their credit, are constantly iterating and experimenting. So normal, when I did the first one, was that you would do a 30-day stint. There would probably, I think there would be two deals in total, you including, yours included, and they, they, they would rotate every sort of every other week kind of thing. So you'd have your, 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 your sort of promotion would be front page. So you know, you'd land on AppSumo.com and it would literally take you to your deal page. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had a huge amount of traffic. They had a list of a million. They've probably got more uh, greater lists now. And you had real sort of focus and pride of place. Um, and although a bad product still wouldn't have fared well, um, if you had a half-decent product, you, you would have done really well. You would have had a lot of eyeballs and, and a lot of um, early sales. Where it is today, as you alluded to, um, there are, I haven't counted, there's too many. There are literally too many to count. If you go to absolute.com now, it does not take you to the main deal at the time because there is no main deal. There are now in the region of 50 or so deals being run at any given time. And deals now, although they can, they don't, on average, I don't think, now run for 30 days. They can, there's now the option. So I've got a deal on there right now called Onboard Flow, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, and that's actually running a six-month period. Um, and it's almost up, I think. But if you, you know, for all of the companies doing six months on there, it just means that there is a lot more noise. And that's a good and a bad thing. Like, I think, actually, it's, I can't think of a way where it's a good thing for the individual company unless you're talking about um, scheduling. Like if you, if you, you know, in the old world, you might have had to wait six months or 10 months or even 12 months before your deal, you know, there was a slot for your deal. Mm. Now I suspect, I don't know this for sure, I don't, I, I don't speak for Absumo, but I suspect it's a little bit quicker to get something on there because they're just letting a hell of a lot more in there. Mm. So I don't think it's anywhere near a good deal for the um, vendor. Um, and I'm really, I've got a, law, a deal going on there in a, in a few weeks um, for a different, um, for a sub-product within Missing Letter. And um, I'm going to really monitor that because I really want to see whether or not it um, delivers in the way that 
I've been used to. Yeah. Um, because if it doesn't, it, it, for everything I've said, you know, with the experience we have that with, with, with Hay Summit and everything else, I don't know whether it necessarily becomes as viable a marketing channel as it perhaps previously was. But I will hold judgment until I see what Missing Letter does. Um, and to your point about what can you expect, well, one thing I've learned, um, by, by, I've done four businesses on there, but probably six deals. So I've done, for a couple of the businesses, I've done them twice, for like a Black Friday deal, or mm. you know, one of them I brought it back a second time, maybe a year later or something. I've, I've learned some interesting sort of correlations with the industry with which the product serves. Mm. And it's quite interesting. So, and now this is kind of uh, not a, an empirical um, uh, sort of sort of uh, quantitative sort of sort of uh, sort of um, fact, but it's kind of just interesting to sort of weave some interesting notes about this. So, we've got pay summits, virtual summits, quite trendy marketing kind of landing pages, online conferences, particularly trendy with COVID. Although COVID wasn't obviously around back then, we did um, five thousand sales, let's say something like that. We then have at the Bottom end of the spectrum, we have onboard flow, and we've probably done about a thousand sales okay. um, because it's it's a SaaS product. It's very much more niche. Not only do you have to be in SaaS, but you have to specifically have um, uh, free trials, and more specifically, you have to use one of our payment providers. So it, it's just not the right product, and I knew it wasn't. It was just kind of just as a way of forcing a, a delivery date and a, and a deadline. But it's not the ideal product. But you can see the difference, you know. Closer to the south, and it's sort of uh, customer happiness, support, ticketing, that sort of stuff. Quite a good bread and butter product, but it's not always sexy product, you know, in, in that sort of sense. Did about 2,000. Right. Uh, it should be at some point. And so there's a bit of FOMO there, wanting to have the best tools to help them hopefully promote stuff. And it was somewhere in between. So it was kind of half Three thousand sales, I think. They want to, a large extent, determine. Oh, you still there? Yeah, it's fine. We'll edit this out. It's a, it's a bit dodgy, lazy. Yeah, Zoom's been crazy lately for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, oh, um, so yeah, I'm not sure I have a huge amount more to add to that. Um, yeah, I think the industry with, it, with which your product sits in will, to a large extent, determine the success you have. Um, yeah. And you know, who's to say with the world that AppSumo inhibits right now uh, in terms of having many, many more in their marketplace, that also will, I think, be a factor. But uh, it, 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 it's still worth experimenting with, I think, for sure. Great. So, Ben, one last question. I know you said that you're always learning. You have no one playbook. Uh, but if you were to start again, would you still take the same approach? You know, idea, build a product, get it out, get traction, and then hand it over yeah, personally, whether AppSumo would be part of that mix, I will hold judgment until uh, the next product launches on there to see whether it still delivers an, an impact. Um, but no, everything else would absolutely be the same thing. If anything, my skills are becoming more and more honed in, in, in being able to do that and being able to pick 
and have a good gut instinct about whether a product is viable or not, identifying market opportunity, seeing the vision of how that product will look and be engaged with and interacted with and how it will compare with the marketplace and then pricing around that, and then knowing that I can iterate and build that and design it and get it to market in a rapid amount of time frame. That's very much my modus operandi. I don't really want to use the word playbook, but that's kind of like my, my, my approach. And that's where my strengths lie. Um, to go against that would be denying my strengths, I think. And that's kind of the core point. I'm, I'm not doing it because someone else says this is the playbook that wins. I'm doing it because this is the playbook that works for me, that it, it plays to my strengths. And I, 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 I would absolutely reiterate that kind of point. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's great, I'm going to do what Ben does. Um, and then next week you're, you're listening to Bob and you're going to go do what Bob does. And next week it's Jane. Like, Work, spend the time to work out where your strengths lie because that is the thing that will serve you well in moving down the, few, down the line. Great. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you for coming on the show and uh, hope we can speak some, sometime soon. Thank you very Pleasure. much. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. And that's it for this episode of Launch Legends. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and share more online marketing launch stories, please search for Launch Legends in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.